0: The period tracker apps are only like 23% accurate.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome back to the spring to life podcast. I'm Caitlin, your host slash hormone health coach, fem educator, Pilates instructor, and creator of the Spring to Life Method. It is my goal to promote feminine body independence and share stories of female resiliency to help you love your body more and unleash your inner superpower, your period. This week, I have a special podcast swap. I was recently a guest on my friend, Dr. Danielle's podcast, Heal Your Hormones and we talked all things cervical mucus observations. So this is going to be a really educational episode, especially if you are interested in learning to track your cycle for fertility awareness, whether it is for contraceptive or conception purposes. And we get into a lot of details um, concerning those observations and being an advocate for yourself when it comes to your healthcare as well. So I think you'll find this episode really informative and make sure you check out Danielle's podcast, heal your hormones and give her a follow as well.
0: Welcome back to the heal your hormones podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Danielle. And today I am joined by my good friend, Caitlin Sullivan of spring to life method. She has been on the podcast a few times before, actually probably have been on more than anyone else. (laughs) Um, We first met back when we were dancing at Joffrey ballet when we were 18 years old and at that point, our paths kind of went opposite directions. And then during the pandemic in 2020, we reconnected online. Um, Caitlin was living in San Diego. She was applied Pilates instructor and starting to get into hormone coaching. And I was in Vermont finishing up my residency, also starting my virtual practice. So we just kind of bonded from, you know, the struggles of starting your own business during a pandemic Um, and then she also came out to Atlanta this past fall when we opened the Pilates studio, um, and helped teach her a few months, which was really nice to have her here. But Caitlin has recently been really focusing more on helping women understand and track their cycles. And I've had a few questions recently asking about, cervical mucus changes, how to track it. Was it telling us? So I immediately thought Caitlin would be the perfect person to have on today to talk about that. So welcome back, Caitlin. Um, uh, I kind of already explained your background, but I love for you to share a little bit more with the audience, just kind of, you know, what sparked your interest in getting into kind of like the wellness community.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me back on the show, Danielle. I always love joining you. Um, And as you mentioned, I started out as a ballet dancer. That was my first career in the professional ballet world. And ultimately, it wrecked my hormones and my relationship with my body. So I was kind of left putting the pieces back together in my mid-20s. And that led me to where I am now as a hormone health coach, a fertility awareness educator, and a Pilates instructor. So now my focus is on teaching women to chart their cycles for fertility awareness and helping women get synced with their cycles, which I do through my app where I combine all of my passions of Pilates and non-toxic living and wholesome nutrition.
0: Love it. Um so today we're really going to dive into the cer- cervical mucus portion of cycle tracking. So who can
1: benefit from tracking cervical mucus changes? Really any woman or person with a menstrual cycle can benefit from tracking cervical mucus because it is giving you direct insight into your hormonal fluctuations. Uh, your overall health is based on your reproductive health if you have a menstrual cycle. And so it's a really key indicator of what's going on in your body.
0: I'm just curious, is there an app in particular that you have found to be like more helpful than others
1: when it comes to tracking cervical mucus? I use the FEM app. That is the method of fertility awareness that I, I teach. So it's F E M M. And, um, This is something you've probably talked about on your podcast before, but you can't predict ovulation. You can only confirm it after the fact. And a lot of the cycle tracking apps out there are kind of trying to predict when you're ovulating or you're just entering in your period. And then it's telling you, okay, you're probably going to ovulate on this day. And that's not really accurate. You have to be active in your observations on a day-to-day basis to know when your fertile window is, because it can fluctuate from cycle to cycle. So that's why I like the FEM app because each day you're just entering in your observations. And then based on that, you're going to be able to identify that fertile window after the fact. And for yourself.
0: Yeah. I think I saw a stat that said in terms of predicting ovulation, the period tracker apps are only like 23% accurate. Um, which isn't very good. No, And I think a lot of times people think that that's like, you know, uh, like the gold standard, like, Oh, our app knows, you know, we're putting in the information so it can predict, but it's, it's at the end of the day, it's just an app. Um, So why exactly does cervical mucus change throughout the cycle and kind of like, what is the purpose
1: or the role of it? Yeah. So every cycle, your body is working towards releasing the egg. It's working toward ovulation. So hormones from the, the brain are signaling the ovaries and hormones from the ovaries are signaling the brain. There's this kind of back and forth communication going on and all of these signals trigger this kind of domino effect of hormone fluctuations that support the process of ovulation and then either implantation or menstruation. So cervical mucus is secreted by crypts in the cervix, which are responding to those hormonal changes throughout the cycle. And its role is either as a barrier or a carrier to what we could call outside invaders, which are either sperm or other bacteria. Um, And I think this is actually a really cool part of cervical mucus is that it actually serves as part of our immune system when we are not in our fertile window because it creates this barrier to prevent any infection. So there, even when you can't see it, it's doing something for your body. And it also also neutralizes the pH of the vagina, nourishes and feeds sperm and carries sperm to the egg when uh fertilization and implantation are the goal.
0: So really important, I mean, not only for fertility, but really for just like overall gynecologic health. Um, yes. Now, how does cervical mucus change throughout the cycle? Like what can women be looking for in terms of what would be considered normal throughout like the menstrual phase and, you know, the ovulation phase, the luteal phase kind of walk us through it.
1: Yeah. So we start our cycle with the onset of full bleeding during our period. And during this time, our hormones are really low. Progesterone has dropped off, which has triggered the bleed. So what you're going to be observing is the kind of flow intensity of your bleed. So it's either light, medium, or heavy bleeding. You might see some spotting or brown before or after your period. Um, It is possible to see an overlap of estrogenic mucus or fertile mucus with bleeding. And that's usually if you have like a shorter cycle or maybe something's going on where your hormones are maybe not uh, where they should be. So these are things that you can start to pay attention to. But for the most part, you have your bleed, it ends, and then you move into that follicular phase. And this is where our progesterone and estrogen are still pretty low. The brain is starting to um, trigger that FSH to be produced um, in the pituitary talking to the ovaries. But as that's getting started, hormones are low. And this is where we observe what's called G mucus, um, or just dryness. And this is where I was talking about that part of your immune system where it's creating this G mucus plug up in your cervix to prevent anything from entering and causing any infection. Um, and you're also not fertile during this time. So the mucus is not trying to carry sperm into, um, uh, up to the eggs. So during this time, you might see like maybe a little bit of, um, cell sloughing, but there's not going to be any like wet observations, moist observations. It should be dry for a couple of days leading up to your fertile window or your ovulatory phase. And this is when we see two, you should see two different types of estrogenic mucus or e-mucus. And this is when our estrogen is rising. It is stimulating that production of the e-mucus in your cervical crypt. So when you transition from that dry period into the fertile window, most likely you're going to have a day or a couple of days of what is called EL mucus. And this is when you just kind of have that moist feeling, moist sensation, maybe when you wipe, maybe you'll see it as like a little bit of creamy, clumpy, or like opaque um, discharge. And that can kind of be the combination of that moist mucus pulling some of that G mucus plug down because gravity is going to kind of help to make that dissipate and come down out of the vagina. Um, but this can be a little variable from person to person, depending on your body. So it may just be some, like a sensation that you feel, or you could potentially see a little bit of that discharge. And then when you are in your really fertile window, ovulation is eminent. That's when we see what we call ES mucus, when estrogen is peaking. And that's that really, slippery, lubricative, abundant mucus that we kind of think of as like that egg white consistency. And that's when you know that, um, ovulation is going to occur give or take three days on either side. Um, and what's really interesting, I think about these different types of mucus is that not only like, uh, texturally sensation wise, can you see a difference? Like if you were to look at it under a microscope, the the density and the texture is so different. And it's because it serves these different purposes of either blocking the cervix or carrying sperm to the egg. So that G mucus, the dry mucus is like very dense and like clustered dots almost, if you were to look at under a microscope. And as you move into the estrogenic mucus observations, it becomes more and more like linear and stringy. And you can just kind of imagine that kind of stringiness being almost like a A pathway up into your uterus, towards your ovaries, and your eggs. And so after your fertile window ends, then you see a shift back into that G mucus or that dryness until the end of your cycle. And then the next period begins. Now I know a lot of times my
0: patients, especially when they have irregular cycles and they especially they've been trying to conceive for a few years, they're trying to track and do all the things. And mm-hmm. the cervical mucus especially can be like an area of frustration because they're like, I don't see anything. What do you think about that? Like, are women going to always see really clear signs of cervical mucus or are some to be producing less or more? Um, cause I have seen some women, you know, who have regular cycles who just don't notice these changes. So I'd love mm-hmm. to hear kind of your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I think, um, so there's lots, obviously there's several different methods of fertility awareness and tracking your cycle. So for the most part, like in a healthy cycle, these hormonal, hormonal fluctuations should happen like pretty rapidly in succession. And you should be able to observe in the method that I teach. We're not doing any like internal checks, mostly to avoid like introducing any infection, but in somebody that maybe doesn't see really abundant Uh, mucus observations, adding in secondary methods of tracking their cycle might be beneficial, maybe doing those internal checks of the cervix, maybe taking basal body temperature in the morning to have like other data to kind of compare against. Um, But especially if somebody's really not seen any fluctuations in mucus, I would say that that might be a sign maybe you want to get some blood work done. Maybe there's some nutrient deficiencies where you can supplement your diet or adding some additional supplementation in, in order to regulate that, because there should be some fluctuation, because like I said, it's a direct insight into what your hormones are doing.
0: Now, I love to kind of talk about different things that can impact cervical mucus. And you mentioned nutrition um, or nutrient deficiencies being one of them what are some common like nutrient deficiencies that you see with women, or maybe it may be impacting their cervical mucus, you know, in a negative way.
1: Yeah. So this is, I think. Commonly what a lot, a lot of the women that I work with are maybe transitioning off of hormonal birth control or working to transition off of hormonal birth control, in which case their those synthetic hormones have been completely suppressing their normal hormonal function for quite some time And generally what those women are experiencing are B vitamin depletion, uh, omega, uh, depletion, uh, zinc is a really important one. So that's something that like blood work is going to give you a lot of insight into. Um, but if you're not seeing that fluctuation, you're probably having some, uh, discrepancy between your estrogen and your progesterone production. So focusing on, things that are going to naturally detox estrogen, like probiotic foods, raw carrots, things in the first half of your cycle, and then supporting progesterone production, reducing stress, but also eating really nourishing foods in the second half of your cycle are going to uh, help to aid in that production of cervical mucus. But like I said, if it's something that persists for more than two or three cycles where you're unable to make these observations, that's when you might wanna seek some medical management
0: what are some other things? Um, cause I know like, of course, infection is one that comes to mind for me, like BV, yeast STIs that can impact cervical mucus. Um, what are some other things that you see in your practice often?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of different things that can influence it, uh, nutrition, exercise, sleep habits, stress, smoking, alcohol, um, recreational drugs, all of these things can influence your mucus production. In the women that I've worked with, um, this is why it's really important to keep notes when you're tracking, because you can kind of look back and reflect and say, okay, like this was going on at this time that might've influenced my mucus production. Um, but I've had clients who were maybe feeling a little under the weather, even for a couple of days, and they noticed that influenced their mucus production. If you're on a medication for a couple of days that could influence mucus production. So it's always really important to note if there's something else going on in your life that's impacting your well being because it can have a direct reflection on your observations. Yeah. I mean very similar to when we
0: get our period and you know, we see period changes as a result of like stress or traveling or dietary changes, it can impact cervical mucus in a similar way. And that's where mm-hmm. I think that cervical mucus tracking can also be really helpful. It's like it's kind of a way to check in with ourselves before we might even notice that anything is off. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of times, like my patients will say like, oh, you know, this month I didn't notice the egg white discharge or this month my period was off. And on the surface level, they're like, you know, that nothing has changed. And then we really dive into it. They're like, but yeah, work stress has been really high. My sleep has been off or like, yeah, but I did go on a, like a work trip for a week. And it's like, okay, well, Yes, those things are like a common for you and they may not stand out as a big deal to you, but obviously they're impacting your hormones and your cycle and likely other aspects of your health too, you may not be aware of. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think also shifting focus to making these, uh, CM observations is really important too, because we think of our period as kind of the main event and the thing that everything revolves around, but you can't really have a healthy period if you haven't ovulated. so the way I teach cycle tracking ovulation is the main event. That's what we are looking for. And then from there, once you know that that's happening, then you're going to have a healthy regular period from there. So you kind of get to flip it in your brain and make your focus about this fertile window and identifying it.
0: Yeah. I love that approach. Cause I mean, really when we're thinking about like root cause of why your periods are regular, it does stem back to, well, what's happening with your ovulation. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, I mean, unless, you know, estrogen levels are really low and maybe you're, you are ovulating in some capacity, but then you don't have like that tissue to break down. But the majority of the time we can come back to ovulation as like the trigger. Um, what would be considered, you know, if if people are tracking their cervical mucus, what would be considered abnormal, um, mucus or like discharge that they may want to maybe see their OB about.
1: Yeah. So anything that's like really sticky, pasty, unchanging off color that anything with pain or has an odor, um, it's like a lot of, not a lot of times, but if something were to come up, somebody might be noticing that they're just having the same consistent observation for maybe a couple of weeks. And it's not really like a G mucus observation is not really an estrogenic mucus observation. It's just kind of like, ugh, not sure what's going on. That could be a sign that something is going on. Maybe there's an infection. Maybe something is off. And that's when you would want to go see your doctor.
0: And for anyone who is tracking ovulation and maybe they're, you know, say they're getting a regular period um, maybe they're doing their LH tests. Those are coming back positive. They're checking the basal body temperature. It's coming back positive, but they're not really noticing the egg white discharge. Do you think that's something to be concerned about?
1: Oh, that's a good question. And it would probably be on kind of a case by case basis. I would definitely recommend, like, I always recommend my clients get some blood work before we get started working together because then we know, like if we can, be proactively working towards shifting their diet a little bit, maybe adding a supplement in, in order to enhance their hormonal activity. Um, So I think it's good to get a baseline of what's going on. It is possible. Like everybody's bodies are a little bit different where, you know, you might just have like a lower baseline of what's going on in your body and your uh, symptoms don't display like that. So if you are getting those secondary Observations, especially in LH tests, that is something that we layer in in the method that I teach. And you're observing the uptick in your BBT in that second half of your cycle, then that could just be how your body operates. But it's always worth investigating if it's something you're concerned about.
0: Yeah. I think that sometimes people can get like so fixated on having like every single box checked off and having it be perfect. So I think Mm -hmm. it's good to inquire, but also sometimes like, be like, okay, everything else seems to be in a good place. So it's okay. If like this one thing isn't so glaringly obvious. Cause I know I have some months where it's like really obvious and other months, it's not so obvious, but mm-hmm. nothing else is really changing majorly. Like I'm still getting my cycle as planned. And, um, but yeah, I think the, the point you made about like getting the blood test kind of at the beginning is so important. I think that's like a soapbox that I've been standing on a lot this year, because like the more and more I work with clients and hear that their doctor is refusing to order them tests, like the more frustrating it is. And, you know, I, especially when you get, you know, the bare minimum test done and you're told, Oh, everything looks normal. And you're like, well, mm-hmm. I don't feel normal. Um, yeah, it's just so helpful to see on paper. And I think it's so helpful for women to see like, okay, there's a reason for this. It's not just in my head. It's not just so, like, I'm not just making this, my body It is showing up on my blood test as abnormal. And now I have something to focus on. So I think, you know, whatever kind of provider you work with, if they're not doing some sort of testing from the beginning, um, that should be like a little bit of a, maybe like a light red flag.
1: Yeah. I've actually recently, some of the clients I've been working with have run into some issues with that as well, where their, uh, providers are denying them blood work. I've had one client that finally got a recommendation from her chiropractor of all people to go to a lab to get blood work done, but it's something that you just have to advocate for yourself. Even when the doctor is telling you like, you don't need to do this. Yeah. I mean, I'll have
0: patients who, you know, have irregular periods for years. And I tell them, okay, you know, we have to test your prolactin, which is, you know, for people who are listening, it's a hormone that is made in our brain, primarily when we, after we give birth and we're lactating, but for some women with irregular cycles, they can have abnormally high prolactin, which shuts off ovulation. And they'll, the clients will have to go to a few doctors where they finally find somebody who's willing to test their prolactin. And then they find out, oh, they actually have a prolactinoma, which is a, you know, a tumor that basically presses on the brain that causes excess prolactin production, which it's benign. It's, it's not, you know, super concerning, but it's something that's like so simple to figure out. And like really is Mm -hmm. the root cause of their irregular cycles yet. It can take them, you know, six, eight, 12 months to finally get that diagnosis because people don't want to, their doctors
1: don't want to test them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I saw something actually recently in your stories that just blew my mind that doctors were refusing to order labs because they wouldn't know what to do if the results came back abnormal, which was just wild to me.
0: Yeah. I've had probably about three or four patients in the past year. It's always insulin and their doctors, their primary care doctor said it's the same thing across the board, different doctors, but they'll say, I'm not going to order your fasting insulin because if it came back abnormal, I wouldn't know what to do with it. Which one? I'm like, okay, blood sugar imbalances are so common. How do you not know how to interpret an insulin test? It's pretty simple. Two, there's something called referrals. You can refer your patient to an endocrinologist who will know what to do with that insulin. And three, you would rather your patient not know this information about your the body than you do a little bit, like a little bit extra work to figure out what to do with them. And I have had one patient. I was my very first patient who was told this her doctor actually called her like maybe two or three weeks later and said, okay, I thought about it and I'll order you the insulin test. And I don't know if that doctor was just like not sleeping at night thinking that, (laughs) you know, I made the wrong decision or maybe they spoke to a colleague and the colleague was like, yeah, that really like, wasn't the right call on your end. But, um, yeah, I mean, luckily I found, uh, there's a lab called ZRT that does like a finger prick test at home now for fasting insulin. So I just use that whenever my patients have refused it but it's something that insurance should be covering. It's something that primary care should be able to order
1: and interpret. Um, yeah, it's just, it's wild. Yeah. Well, and that's why we are shouting to all these women to advocate for themselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it, it's like, I'm frustrated with it and I'm not even the one going through it. So I can't, yeah. I mean, and my patients will tell me like, I left the doctors in tears because I asked for these very like basic blood tests. And they said that I was like being ridiculous, at the end of the day, it's like, just order the test. Like, what does it matter? Like the doctor's not paying for out of pocket. What do they care? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, anyways, um, (laughs) anything else about cervical mucus that you feel like is helpful for people listening to know whether it's things to look for reasons to track when to track things like that?
1: Yes. So, um, a couple things actually. So before we were talking about the apps, I do really like the FEM app, but if you are just starting out on this journey of tracking your cervical mucus, it is really beneficial to do this with pen and paper, because then you have to, you sit down and you really have to think about what's going on in your body. It's less of a passive action of just like tapping the button on your phone, but you're really Thinking about it. You're taking notes the way that I teach it. You're like coloring in your chart throughout the cycle. So you can really get this visualization of what's going on. And secondly, you want to uh, be charting or tracking your most estrogenic observation of the day. So Generally, checking in the evening, like 7, 8 p.m., is a good time to do it. But you want to be noticing what's going on throughout the day because you always want to go with your most estrogenic observation. If it's maybe dry in the morning, but moist in the evening, you want to track that as a moist estrogenic observation because that is your fertile window. So, anytime mucus is present, there's a possibility of fertility, even if it's not that really uh, slippery egg white consistency. So, being diligent is really important.
0: Yeah. Being consistent. Um, I mean, similar things with, you know, with like the LH tests, like if you miss a day or two, that could have been your day. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's so it's a, of a commitment, but it is really helpful to gather that information. Um, and especially even if women want to do it just for a couple of months, get an idea of, you know, when they're ovulating or what those changes are, and then maybe take like a, a break for a month or two. I think that that's okay too. Um, cause it is definitely a commitment and, it's like, if you're putting in all this work and then you miss a couple of days and that was like your most, you know, valuable or, you know, providing the most information those days. And it's like, well, I was kind of, you, you kind of like lost the opportunity.
1: Yeah. And once you start, like, if you do it for a couple of months and you really get familiar with your cycle and what's going on, it becomes kind of just a part of something that you're paying attention to and you're aware of. So you don't have to be as hyper, uh, like vigilant about it because you are just aware and it's something that you just notice and you can then take action based off of that, um, either practicing safe sex, or if you're trying to conceive, then you know that that's the time. Um, so it's really just, it's this kind of body literacy that we've been really disconnected from. We don't get taught it when these changes start to happen in our bodies when we're younger. So it's just kind of learning this other piece of ourselves. Are there any specific cervical
0: mucus changes women can expect, like, especially in the very first few weeks of pregnancy?
1: Ooh, that, well, so once, uh, implantation occurs, that triggers that corpus luteum in your ovary to continue producing progesterone for about 10 weeks. So you should can, uh, maintain that kind of dry observation until, um, the placenta takes over progesterone production. Um, but it is always possible for some like changes to happen. Some, you know, gravity pulls things down. So just kind of paying attention to what's going on, especially if you are trying to conceive or you expect that you are pregnant is a good thing, especially in that beginning stage. Yeah.
0: Um, well, this was super helpful. Where can people learn more from you, whether that's working from you or,
1: you know, you have the podcast podcast. Yeah. So I am on Instagram at spring to life method and through my link there, you can find all the ways to work with me. Um, I am shifting my focus more to my podcast and long form content on my blog. So you can follow the spring to life podcast, anywhere you listen to podcasts, um, get on my email list because that's where I am sharing the most information and all of the goodies and tidbits there. Um, and then if you would like to work with me, if you'd like to learn cycle charting, all the ins and outs, I have a program called feminine body independence where I can work one-on-one with you, or if you are kind of just dipping your toes in and maybe interested in that, but want to get your cycle regulated first, we can work together, um, through my app where I'll help you get your hormones, uh, hormone habits in check, get your cycle synced, and then you can go from there. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to
0: link all of that, the podcast, the website, the Instagram, and the show notes for anyone who wants to get in touch with Caitlin. But as always, thank you so much for being here. You have so much good information to share. I feel like you really like provide it in a, um, easy, easy to follow way. Like it's not intimidating, even though it can be complex. Um, so I really appreciate it. And I just always looking
1: to talk to you. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I loved it all right thanks for tuning in i hope you found this episode educational and informative maybe you learned something new about your body maybe your interest is piqued in learning cycle charting instead of just relying on an inaccurate period tracker app or hormonal birth control for that matter so there are several options you have if this is something that you want to move forward with if you're still on hormonal birth control and you're thinking about making the switch and you wanna make the changes necessary, then my new program, Get Synced, is built specifically for you. This is going to help you get your hormone habits, healthy hormone habits started in a challenge. In the first month, we're going to build your Pilates practice so that you can incorporate low impact exercise that is supportive for healthy hormones. And then get your cycle synced, get it regulated. It will work one on one individually through my app to make changes that are specific to your unique needs. And then once you feel confident with that, you'll be ready to learn to chart your cycle. If you are ready to jump into cycle charting and this is something that you really want to learn, then my program Feminine Body Independence is perfect for you. We'll work one-on-one in four monthly sessions in order to take you from novice to expert in cycle charting. Uh, We kind of talked about the basics in this episode, but we're all bio-individuals, so it is really helpful to have a practitioner by your side as you're learning this practice, and that is what I can do for you in Feminine Body Independence. I will link both of these programs in the show notes. I'm taking applications for Get Synced right now, and I'll have you know that the First round of applicants are going to get a special welcome gift from me in the mail. So if you want to really get in on that, then I suggest filling out that interest form so you can be one of the first people on the wait list. And I hope that you enjoyed my chat with Dr. Danielle as well. Make sure you give her podcast, Heal Your Hormones, a follow and look out for an interview with her coming to my podcast later this summer, we're going to be talking about hair health, which is very intertwined with hormone health, believe it or not. So look out for that in the next few months. And if you love this episode, I would be so grateful for a rating and review. It helps other women find the show and, learn more about their bodies. So please leave a rating and review, share this episode with a girlfriend because we all deserve to know our superpower.